Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. I'm Gianna Whitfer, one of your hosts, here with my fabulous, amazing co-host, Maria Velasquez. And we are so excited to have on a very special guest this week. We have Derek Weeks. He is CEO of Unfair Mindshare. He is an advisor to ForgePoint Capital Cyber Portfolio, which is their cybersecurity companies. And he is author also of Unfair Mindshare, a CMO's journey to community-led marketing in a product-led world. Derek, we're so excited to have you on. Yeah, Gianna, Maria, it is awesome to be here. I love cybersecurity. I love marketing. So it's going to be a good conversation. And we are so excited because we're going to talk about one of our joint favorite things, all three of us together here, love community. And Derek, that's what your book is about. For the listeners, can you give a little bit, before we dive into community, a little bit of a recap or an overview of what Unfair Mindshare is all about? Yeah, I think that the easiest way to sum it up is that I've been doing community marketing and other types of marketing for a long time. But when it comes to community marketing, not enough people really understood what it was, how it works, and how to be successful at it. And I think when you're one of those that is successful at it and you see other people trying, but they're clearly getting it wrong, you're like, ah, God, I wish I could help you because I can spot in two minutes that, that you're getting it wrong. So it's really describing what community marketing is. But I think most importantly, and how it differs from other books that have been written on community and community building before is as a CMO, what I'm trying to do is say, Here's what community marketing is as part of an overall integrated marketing program. So community and brand marketing and product marketing all can be integrated to benefit one another and drive demand and grow revenue for your business. So it's really about showing CMOs, community leaders and other marketing leaders how to integrate community brand and product together in order to elevate their brands, increase revenue, increase retention with customers. And I walk through that extensively in the book. Awesome, and that's a great and interesting topic because a lot of people start with community just with like the word community. They're like, we're gonna build a community. And it's like, okay, why and how and like what? And like, how does it connect to the broader company goals? And why are you doing this? Are you doing it just because it's hot? Is there a reason? You know, so that's really great stuff. Yeah, even in part of the book, one of the things that I guide CMOs and other marketing leaders through is if you're going to start a community, it's just what you said. Why are you going to start this community? What is the outcome that you're driving toward it? How are you positioning it? Who do you want to get involved in this? It's typical marketing questions of you're going after a market. Who's the buyer? Who's the ICP? Who are the influencers? Why would they care? You have something to offer. What's the value? Community works in a very similar fashion, but a lot of people, like you said, kind of jump in like, let's build a community. And they haven't done the exercise beforehand, which is to really understand 
the market and community that you're going after and you plan to serve. And it's harder to do it blindly. Like it's like, hey, you're a marketer for a cybersecurity company. Just go and market. And you're like, what's the product? And they're like, don't worry about it. You're like, who am I selling to? Don't worry about it. Just market, promote, put up LinkedIn posts or something or send an email. It's harder to do if you don't define those upfront things. So Derek, talk to us about the fundamentals that you mentioned in your book. What are those most important pillars everyone needs to know before jumping in and creating a community? I want to frame it a little bit first, and that is that I see marketing and describe marketing in three orbits. One is the product-led orbit, that's the innermost orbit, and the brand-led orbit. These are orbits that every single marketer in the Cybersecurity Marketing Society and any other company, you are in these orbits every single day, regardless of your company, your product, or your services. You're telling the markets about your product. You're telling the markets about your company or your platform or portfolio of things. And these are narratives that you own. It's a fast-moving space. You're always talking about your product. Everyone's a lead. You're promoting something in these orbits, but it's also a less trusted orbit because people know you're pitching. You're always pitching. People feel like a lead. They're signing up for a webinar, signing up to download a white paper. And there's some level of like, if I do this, I'm going to get spammed an email afterwards. I'm a little resistant on it. The third orbit is community. And this is where you're being helpful from the beginning. Someone out there in your market needs help to better understand something. They're trying to up-level themselves in their career. So just as Cybersecurity Marketing Society, there are professionals out there that are trying to be better at their craft. And they're coming together to learn from one another and exchange information and exchange knowledge. And in community-led marketing, this is about helping to form communities or lead communities to serve that purpose of being helpful for some portion of the market in which you're operating in. There are different kinds of communities in the brand-led orbit, the second orbit, which is your company's community. So when I was at Sonatype and we had our Nexus user community, that was our community around our products and our services customers, right? It's the user community, those who already work with you and have bought your product. Absolutely. But the third orbit for that company, for Sonatype, where I used to work, could be the cybersecurity industry or could be the DevOps industry overall. And the difference in kind of the easy way I describe it is if Sonatype in that instance went away or the products went away, that community would cease to exist. Now, the DevOps community or cybersecurity community where it participated would not go away. And these are things when you look about the differences between brand-led communities and the community-led orbit three that I'm talking about, that orbit will exist whether your company exists or not, whether your products and portfolio exist or not. And I think that's the power of igniting activity in that kind of community enables organizations as marketers to reach a much broader community as part of that. So I think just setting that context up front is important. 
I wanted to ask earlier, you you mentioned that you could tell right off the bat in a couple of minutes who's actually doing it wrong. <laughs> what are those things that you could tell? What are those like very early red flags? The biggest red flag is you're talking about yourself or you're promoting yourself. There was a quote from some marketer that said, your self-promotion is more annoying than you think. And in the community-led orbit, that's the biggest red flag giveaway. So some organization, let's pick ABC Security Company, says we're doing a community-led effort. We're forming this cybersecurity community around endpoint security, right? And for that, we're hosting a webinar series or a conference or we have a roadshow around the endpoint security community, right? And go and look at the agenda for this roadshow, right? And you see the first speaker is their CEO. The second speaker is their CTO. The third speaker is their director of product marketing. The fourth speaker is their reference customer. There's nothing about community there at large. This is brand community. You're talking about yourself. You're promoting your products. You're trying to get people to buy into that. A different approach would be Let's do a roadshow on endpoint security or network security or you know, pick whatever you want as a particular topic. And let's find, we're going to Atlanta. Who are the top cybersecurity knowledgeable people in Atlanta that I want to hear from, I want to learn from, that are solving problems for their companies? How can I bring them together in an audience that wants to learn from one another? And I always do this like quick quiz with people. If you have an event, let's say in Atlanta, and that event has eight speakers, and the eight speakers come from my company, ABC Security, or the eight speakers come from industry of just people that are cybersecurity pros in one particular knowledge base or set of expertise, which one is going to attract the larger audience? The second one, is obviously going to attract the larger audience, unless you're CrowdStrike and you have a huge brand and following, right? But if you're a startup marketer, organizing an event where you bring together the industry is probably going to attract 10 times the number of people, if not more, to that kind of event. Now, your company, your field marketers, your event managers, your salespeople, they're all behind the scenes organizing this but you are bringing more people together and using that as an opportunity to build a relationship with those people in that community and to build some brand affinity between those people that you've invited as speakers and your company itself. Those speakers don't have to promote your company or ABC Securities offering, but you're being helpful to the people in that community. Just like if you guys go to Boston and you say, hey, we're getting cybersecurity marketers together. We're just using this as an opportunity to meet, network, learn from one another, share with one another. We're not pitching anything. We're just trying to get people together. Your affinity within this community grows of like, here are people that I trust. They're not talking about themselves. They're not overly promotional. But if you then later came to me and said, hey, we have a specific webinar that we think would be really helpful to you, am I more likely to attend that? Yeah, because you actually helped me from the beginning of that relationship and building that relationship versus 
being overly self-promotional. That kind of red flag right at the beginning, I've seen so many organizations say, we're doing a community thing and it's all about them. And I'm like, if you control the narrative and you control all the people showing up and talking and the messages and the organizing committee, it's all about you. It's not a community at all, or it's just framed as, this is really your brand community, like your product user group kind of community, which is perfectly fine. You should also do that. But there is this third orbit that others don't participate in as much because, and this is, I think, one of the key reasons why, as a CMO, your job is promote your company, promote your products, build pipeline, drive revenue. You should be talking about and promoting your company 90% of the time or to 100% of the time. And you're like, this is why I was hired to do this. And if I say you can attract a larger audience to your business and building relationships between your business and the market by not talking about yourself, by being helpful from the beginning, a lot of people are like, but I'm not paid to do that. I can't go and tell the CEO, we're going to organize something that doesn't promote our company or our brand. And they're like, that sounds too risky. But in areas where I've done it, <laughs> I've been incredibly successful at doing it. So a little bit of my background, and some people know this within the cybersecurity community. But when I was at Sonotype, we spent a lot of time in the DevOps and cybersecurity markets. While I was there, I co-founded a conference, a virtual conference back in 2015 when no one was doing virtual conferences at all. <laughs> no one did virtual conferences at scale until the pandemic. But in 2015, we started this thing, 13,000 people came to it within 90 days of us organizing and kicking it off. We said, we're gonna teach people about DevOps. It was nothing about Sonotype or our products there. It was just DevOps education. DevSecOps was one of the tracks that we had within that conference. In the next five years that we ran it, we had between 30 and 40,000 people a year participating in this effort. Wow. That's a lot of people to get to come to a virtual event in 2015. 30 to 40,000 people did that. I know we were speaking about this before, Derek, right before we started recording. Community, despite being altruistic and despite not being about your brand and in that brand orbit, community should be separate unless it's for user community. It does have to drive pipeline, though, because as you also just said, the CMOs have this conundrum of, I need to justify what I do. I need to justify my budget. If I say, hey, we want to do something that's community-driven, that's just for the good of the community, it's altruistic, it's nice, it's about helping other people. And when someone says, okay, how are you going to tie that back to revenue and pipeline? There's that conundrum there. So maybe Sonotype would be a good example. Tell us, how did it end up tying back to pipeline? How did it end up tying back to revenue? How are you able to justify this? Yeah, so... I can't go into the specific numbers of like what we did at Sonotype, but I can give you a guidance of like, let's work through an example together. We work in cybersecurity. And as part of that, we want to build a maturity model on let's say network security. And let's say this maturity model does not yet exist. If I work at ABC Security Company as a marketer who knows cybersecurity, I could say, let me sit down and develop a network security maturity model and promote that out from ABC Security, came up with this network security 
maturity model or capabilities model, and I want everyone to know about it and follow it. And immediately people are like, ooh, ABC Security is doing this to promote their products that obviously fit somewhere in this maturity model. Immediately untrusted. But if I said, I wanna go about this in a different way. I want to create a maturity model in this space. And I'm gonna go out and talk to my partners. I'm gonna to talk to influencers in the market. I'm gonna to talk to people in academics. So I'm gonna reach out to my friend at Carnegie Mellon to be part of this. I'm going to reach out to one of the CISOs that I know and say, I wanna build this maturity model and I want to work with all of you to create this. They don't have to be customers of mine. They just have to be knowledgeable on the topic and willing to contribute. And if I come out with this thing that is a community-led effort from the beginning, as a community, I think this would be helpful and this is needed, let's create this thing. So you create this community-based maturity model. Now, that's come together. Let's say we have the, the maturity model and we have a paper describing the maturity model. We can use that at the company in a variety of different ways. So while the community generated this model and you can have it available on a community website or share it in communities like yours to make it freely available to people, you can also do things that tie into lead generation. Let's host a webinar on this particular maturity model. Who's going to be on that webinar? Well, we had eight people contribute to the maturity model from across the industry. Let's invite some of them to speak on this webinar. You wanna go and speak at Black Hat on something? What are the chances of you being accepted on a community-based maturity model that generates an audience and shares a knowledge base of understanding to attract larger audiences? On the road shows we were talking about before, to come and present, here's the maturity model on this particular topic that the community and these particular people have bought into is going to attract a larger audience, which can mean if you're scanning leads at the door at an event, if you're registering leads for a webinar, if you're trying to get people going to your roadshow, you can get more people participating in those kind of venues or avenues of marketing that then result in building pipeline and qualifying more pipeline around it. And there is this aspect of building brand affinity and building trust, but showing that you're doing something more altruistic for the market at first, but there are ways to convert that in the pipeline moving forward. And you can do, I have on, on my table here, for those on video, there is a book called Feedback Loops. We produced it as part of All Day DevOps. In the All Day DevOps conference that we had, there were 180 speakers a year. We blogged about 50 or so of those, about those sessions and about those speakers. We took those blogs, we combined them into a book, we published a book every year, and we gave the book out or did book signings and things like that across the industry. And we invited people who had sessions that were in the book to come to our booth and do book signings there with us. So you can start something in the community realm and tie it more directly to things that you do in marketing overall that are part of lead generation, pipeline generation for your business. Why attend Cyber Marketing Con 2023 in downtown Austin, Texas this year from December 10th through 13th? Well, there's going to be keynotes, panels, and workshops from real marketers working in the cybersecurity industry right now. 
from companies like Recorded Future, Google, Eureka Cyber, NetSpy, and plenty more. Plus, we'll have the best connections and networking of your career. Get your ticket before the pricing goes up on October 1st. Check out more about the conference at cybersecuritymarketingsociety.com backslash conference 2023. Can't wait to see you there. So Derek, for this to be a successful community building operation, how would you structure the team? Would this be its own role, like a community manager? Where would it sit? How would you envision building that team? Yeah, it's a good question. One is I look at community marketing as another functional area within marketing. So just like you have a PR person, an AR person, a product marketer, a marketing ops person, you have a community person on the team. It's not a mix of a couple of different people within the organization. And in order to do community marketing, one is, so it is a functional area of responsibility within the team. And I think it's well-suited to sit within marketing. The other question that I get asked often on this is, how much is this going to cost? Because while we're talking about community-led marketing, this is not something where when I sit down to create my budget as a CMO for the marketing department, I don't say 90% of all of our work is going toward community. This is generally something that is 5% of the budget. If you're really good and sophisticated and it's working, maybe up to 10% of a marketing budget is contributing toward this function within the organization. But at a minimum, I have this thing that I call the thousand hour rule. If you're going to do a community-led marketing investment, you have to put at least a thousand hours a year into this. So from a full-time employee basis, this means at least one person on your team is 50% of their time is community-led marketing. And I'll give you part of the scenario on this. I'm talking to a fellow CMO, and he says, we're already doing community stuff. We do a webinar once a month where we invite someone from the community as a guest speaker, and they talk to the audience about a, a given topic, and it's just not pulling that big of an audience, or like, I'm doing it, but I'm not seeing the return on that investment. I'm like, okay, so you're doing this once a month for one hour, that's a webinar, that's 12 hours a year that you're contributing into the community. It's not enough to make an impact. But let's look at the Cybersecurity Marketing Society. If I have someone on my team, let's say I work at a company that has products that serve cybersecurity marketers, this is gonna make you a better cybersecurity marketer. And I decide, that someone on my team is going to contribute a thousand hours a year to participate in this community. That would be a huge investment from my time and from your time in the community's time to say, here's a person that's really active. Likely if you're that active, you're gonna take a leadership role in the community and somehow. You may be organizing local events. You may be on the organizing team for the conference, for the annual conference. You may be leading surveys. You may be working with community members to build a maturity model that benefits other people. You're very active in that community at a thousand hours. And people then start wondering like, hey, who's this Derek guy that's 
always active in the community and being helpful and trying to help organize and facilitate and bring people together. Maybe I should learn more about like, where does Derek work? What do his products do at that company? He's never talking about or pitching his products, but I think he actually works at a company that does cybersecurity marketing related things. It's that kind of endeavor that you really want to invest that amount of time. And it doesn't need to cost a lot of money beyond headcount when you're initially starting. And when you get good at it, it actually doesn't take much other than time. You can put dollars behind it, but on certain things like the maturity model example, let me go out as the community marketer and work with eight other people in the community to build something. What does that cost? Nothing. Who built it? A bunch of people that we didn't employ built that. How helpful was it and how attractive was it to audiences? Very attractive and very valuable because you weren't pitching from that in the beginning. I did things like I created some reference architectures in the DevOps space. I did that through a collection of people that had put together reference architectures for work that they were doing. I went out and read blogs, saw what people were doing, and just put a collection together and said, here's what these people are doing. This might be helpful to others that are on on a journey. Those have 270,000 views on them because they were helpful. They're free. They're out on SlideShare. Like You don't have to register to get them. But it was about being helpful from the beginning, and that goes a long way toward like, Who are the people that are being really helpful around here? Because I want to work with them. That's a great point. It's not even having to create your own community. It could be just participating highly actively in other communities where the audience that you're selling to is in. I think actually one of our very first podcast episodes was with Richard Mellick, who is currently at Reversing Labs. And he told a great story of how the company he was at at the time got a lot of prominence because they were just super active on the early Spice World forums. <laughs> so their SEs were just like super active and were like replying to everyone's questions. And it was like not about their product at all, but they were successful from a community perspective and they got deals from that. You see that on Reddit. Andy Gorginis did a, also a podcast or a last year's cyber marketing con session on being helpful on Reddit and not using it to sell your product, but just to provide value and get to be known. Community is a great way to really 10X your relationships, right? It's like the heart of, of a lot of what we do here from like a revenue and pipeline and deal creation perspective. Yeah, there, there's a company called Huntress. They're in the ForgePoint and JMI venture portfolios. But If you go on Reddit and you look on Reddit on, say, the Log4j vulnerability and organizations that had to respond to this, they're out there saying, hey, here's what we know. It's not inside their product at all. Here's what we know. Here's what we're doing. Someone's like, oh my gosh, hair on fire. Like, we've got an emergency here. This is the situation. And they're jumping in to help. Just be helpful. Like, here's what we know. This is what you should do. I read this from this other person. Here's how to help. And that helpful nature goes a long way toward building your brand and what is building a brand in marketing, but creating future demand for your organization. I want to go back to one thing, though, Gianna, that that you said that's really important when going back to where I talk about orbits. In orbit two, when you're creating a product user community, 
your company and your marketing team or whoever it is, customer success team, is creating that community. You are in charge of that. When I was at Sonatype and we're doing something in the DevOps community or when I was at the employer before that, Global 360, and we were in the SharePoint community, we didn't create the SharePoint community. We didn't create the DevOps community. We didn't create the DevSecOps community. We didn't create the cybersecurity community. That's already there. But when you go out and you spend the thousand hours in the community, one, you can be a leader of an existing community or create more of, be more of a leader in an existing community and show value that way through your commitment. Or what may happen is you spend a lot of time in this community and then you figure out, you know, there's something missing in this community. And I think I might create a separate segment of this community to serve that unmet need. And All Day DevOps back in 2015, that's kind of how this started. And we've told the story countless times. But we had gone out to participate in DevOps conferences all over the U.S., all over the world. There were DevOps days everywhere. There were a couple of big conferences that attracted six or 800 people. But we would meet people from like, I'd meet someone from Wells Fargo and they'd be like, we're two people here from Wells Fargo. I was like, well, how many people are in your DevOps practice or your cybersecurity practice? And they, oh, there's like 400. Okay, so there's 400 of you, but only two of you are here at this thing. But all of you need this education. How do we go and educate this larger community that needs help? And there wasn't an answer at the time for like, how do you educate the other 398? And so at the time we said, well, we could just go online and make it free for everyone to participate in this and serve the other 398 and don't do any vendor pitching. It was literally just DevOps, DevSecOps practitioners come and present what you know and we'll invite people to show up. And that effectively went viral. You mentioned that you have to spend a thousand hours within these communities in order for you to create that sense of community or maybe even following so that the community could follow you in whatever endeavors after that. One of the challenges I feel like as a marketer in cybersecurity is that a lot of times we're not practitioners. And so joining these types of communities can be intimidating. Either we have to rely on a paid influencer to do that on our behalf as a vendor, if that's the idea or rely on internal SMEs to do that. But to win the time of those busy SMEs is another uphill battle. What advice do you have for those that think it's an intimidating world joining communities like that and actually joining the, the conversation and being active? It's true. <laughs> what you're saying is absolutely true. It can be intimidating. And certainly like when I joined Sonotype, I had never worked in cybersecurity related things before. So I was brand new, but I have a product marketing background, like earlier in my marketing career as a product marketer. So I wanna understand who's the market, who are we selling to, what do they care about? And I go out and just participate in the community. And like many people that go out and start participating, you start listening to what's going on in the community and you build your subject matter expertise in that. It's not for every single marketer, not every single marketer is made out to be a community person. But 
in things like, if you care about the topic, going back to the maturity model example, I have an idea that I'm going to bring to the table of like, I think this is how we would structure a maturity model. But if I include eight, nine other people in this process, I get to learn from them as well. And then I hear, oh, Shannon at Intuit created this idea, or James, who started this open source cybersecurity product, provided this example, or so-and-so from Equifax brought in this value to the maturity model. Then you learn from them, and you can share those learnings with other people as part of building your own expertise, knowledge, and maybe you can put your own twist on that. In terms of getting into community, one, yeah, there have people that are more community-minded, as you said, you might hire or aqua hire like someone that is a knowledgeable influencer in the space to give you that presence of someone that's going to be helpful. Or you just spend the time to build yourself into that. But part of it is if you're going to put a thousand hours into it, you're going to build some knowledge about what's happening in the industry as part of that participation. And part has to be as a listener and learning and consuming out there, but then part of that as a marketer should be creating content is part of what powers communities. And there are a couple of things that really power communities. One is relationship building and two is content building and content in various forms. So it could be content like a maturity model or a white paper, but it could be content in terms of I'm on Slack and I'm exchanging, like responding to people's inquiries, like that is content. It's not like something that you can download, but it's just the information exchanges is maybe a different way to say that. They can come in different forms of a podcast or a white paper or Slack exchanges or conference presentations, things like that. But those are two very powerful parts of, of community. And the third axis I talk about in the book is the brand promise of the community. What is the community intending to do? What is its promise? And you have to be very consistent with that. And if I look at all day DevOps, the brand promise was it's online, it's free, and there are no vendor pitches. Like for all six years that I was doing it, that was the brand promise. We stuck to it. We never veered from that and people trusted that brand because of it. I'd be curious, what's the brand promise? If you were to kind of sum up the brand promise of the Cybersecurity Marketing Society, what would that brand promise be? We help anyone who wants to be great at cybersecurity marketing be great at it. We're also vendor free. So I would say those are, if we had to boil it down into just one to two things, those are the, the brand promises of the society. We'll roll with that. And I think that's perfect. If your promise is we're helping you become better cybersecurity marketers, and we're doing so in a vendor pitch free zone, and you've attracted thousands of people to the society, if all of a sudden you say, we're going to change things up a little and we're going to do vendor pitch webinars once a month that really like allow a vendor to come in and pitch whatever they want. That move, if you don't construct it right, can really hurt the brand trust or the brand promise. And when you do that, the thousands of people that came to you that you built relationships with, you could say that erodes that trust. 
And if you erode the trust, it will shrink that thousands of people to fewer thousands or maybe hundreds of people. And when you shrink that, the content exchanges or information changes also shrink. So these three things of the brand promise, the relationships, and the content or information exchanges are very much tied. If something happens where not as many people are included, like you come out with pro-pride statements, right? Like a lot of brands have done recently. And then a certain segment of the community is like, ooh, pro-pride, we're going to shy away from that. Let's leave this community. That will make the other parts of it suffer because you've somehow modified the brand promise, you've eroded the relationships, and that changes the content coming in. Now, I haven't asked you guys on your pro-pride stance, but most companies in the technology space are certainly pro-pride, but this is something like you have to think about as communities and what your promises are, how you're building relationships and trust, and how those relationships build the information exchanges that are so important to the community. If I'm gonna up-level, I wanna up-level with other people that are teaching me or other people that are sharing with me. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the intent deep down inside in our hearts that we all have when we're joining communities with peers, like-minded peers. Why don't we jump into our last segment of the show, which is the game, just because we are coming to the top of the hour and we want to make sure we play that game. Eric. So the game is that Gianna and I will take a couple of minutes to guess what you, Derek, would be doing if you weren't working in marketing today as a CMO. And the rule is that we can't pick a previous known career or career track, right, Gianna? Yes. So we can't say author. We can't say CMO. We can't say founder, I think, are the main things. It has to be a career, not a hobby. Yeah. If you have a hobby that we don't know about, I think that's fair game. And if we identify that hobby, then good for us for being so intuitive. <laughs> okay. Now I have to, I have a, a number of choices. Let me, uh, I, okay. I, I picked one. All right. Maria, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Derek, I don't know why I'm getting the scientist feel from you. It could be the glasses, but it could also be your thorough explanation of a very complex methodologies, I would say. So I don't know, maybe like somewhere in the science world, maybe even teaching, but teaching science. I hope I'm not way off. So Derek, since you're an author, I'm going to assume that you like to read because usually those of us who write like to read. So you would be a librarian. Wow, okay. <laughs> Which also might have something to do with your glasses, honestly. So, <laughs> okay, so. So who is most right, who is wrong, and what would the oh, actual answer be? Gosh, you were both wrong. Maria's answer was perhaps most interesting. So my dad is a scientist. He is a geneticist. And that's part of, when I talk to people about why I kind of got into product marketing at the beginning of my career, why it resonated with me. It was, you're working with engineers that have developed this cool, new, innovative thing, but they can't necessarily explain what that thing is to the market that you're participating in. And my dad as a scientist was one of the rare scientists that I've met in my life because I've met many of his colleagues who could take the thing that he was doing in the lab that was very complex and extremely advanced when they were doing 
cloning of things back in the mid-70s to give you an idea of how old I am. But So they were doing things that were really complex, but when talking to my dad, he could take it from the lab to the field where the plants were, to the markets where they were selling the seeds or plants to the consumer. Like he could walk that whole journey. And I think that really influenced a lot of how did I think about things and ask questions about things and play into my innovation thirst. So while Maria was wrong, it was definitely close to home because spent a lot of time with scientists in, in my life. But the answer was I was going to be a barbecue chef. Oh, wow. Smoking brisket, smoking ribs, smoking sausages. Like there is a culture around that community, which is a part-time hobby of mine to put something on the smoker and produce something delicious and share it with family and friends. That's, That's its own rewarding. form of community itself. What is food if not community? So Derek, thank you for being on the show. Where can people find your book? One, when it gets published, it will be on Amazon. But until then, there is a little sign-up form if you want to be notified of when the book is coming out. Just go to unfairmindshare.com. You'll see a link on the site for the book, and you can say, hey, just tell me when the book's coming out, notify me. And if you sign up there, I am not going to spam you with a whole bunch of community-led marketing stuff. It's treating people with respect and just saying, you want to know when the book's out? I'm going to let you know. There's also on the site, I have a blog where I've published already some excerpts from the, the book if you want to learn different parts about the, the whole journey that I document there. Awesome. And we'll include those links in the show notes. Thank you again, Derek, for being on. Can't wait to read your book. And for all of you, if you want to be on Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing, we have a new email address. Send it out to podcast at cybersecuritymarketingsociety.com. Give us a five-star review and also send us your thoughts and your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time.